With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome to Slammed, a Boston Celtics podcast. I'm Megan Adelini from WEEI, joined by Esteban Bustios from GBH and Justin Turpin, our producer, also from WEEI and Odyssey. And guys, we're in the... We're in the same room in for the, the first time. Don't say in the flesh. That sounds creepy. <laughs> in, the <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> We're in right. studio together, which is wonderful to see your faces, Esteban brought bagels. Yeah. First if you time... didn't see that, Justin. Oh, a welcoming gift. Yeah. Yeah. As a Odyssey rookie, uh, I figured, you know, you have to, to pay dues. So, uh, so there you go. And also uh, a belated happy birthday gift to Justin. Uh, first time Justin and I are meeting in person. So this is... Uh, a lovely, a lovely occasion. Justin, how was your birthday? So we found out last episode you were a New Year's Eve baby. Yes. Did it get wild? It did. It was. Did fun. you end up in jail? Nope. nope okay. No, I Hospital? <laughs> nope. None of the above, actually. Okay. Just there you go. It was good though. Did you wake up at home? I did. Okay. Yes, I did. All right. So All two out of three. Yeah. God bless. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the Celtics. So. Uh, a couple nights ago, at this point now, uh, we're recording on a Thursday. OKC. What I would call a respectable loss for the Celtics. Yeah. Can we say that? I'm not saying moral victory, but I'm saying respectable loss. Although the third quarter was Tough. gross and indefensible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, respectable in the sense of, like you said, going down, being outscored 15 by 15 points in the third quarter, and then making it a game. Um, even though, uh, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander, there's like. Who stops him? Derek White can't stop him. Drew Holiday couldn't stop him. Um, so it, it was a, a great matchup. And I was like, you know, if we could get this in the finals, this would be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, that third quarter was, was tough. So eventually the coaching staff, I'll give Missoula credit, but we'll just say the coaching staff made the switch of having Jason Tatum go on to SGA. And, it looked good. And it looked great. Yeah. And it opened up this, uh, I guess, Pandora's box to me about what Jason Tatum's role might be at different times when we look months ahead to the playoffs. Because we so often in the playoffs look to Jason Tatum as, is Tatum's box score going to reflect the leadership that that we see on the floor from him? Is he scoring at the critical times? Is he swinging the game? Is he taking control of the game? And we don't, even though he's a really long, like he's got a great length as a defender and he can cause turnovers. We don't really talk about him that often on, defense, on the yeah. defensive end. Like we do even somebody like Derek White recently. Yeah, yeah, and Drew Holiday, obviously. He's a fan. I mean, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong. Have, have you ever seen that many games where it's like, oh, Tatum is on the other team's best guy? I can't I can't think of many no, like, like we saw against SGA. You yeah. never see it. And he entered the season wanting to make an all-defensive team. Both him and Jalen Brown kind of made that a point where they both wanted to be all 
defensive and Tatum was actually the one that offered to take SGA. He went over to the coaching staff and said, he's got it going, Like, let me let me guard him. And he did a good job. He was one for four down the stretch, really slowed him down. He only had three points in the fourth quarter, right. which is a big reason they were able to go on that big run. But you're right, you know, you never really see him on their top player. Right, right. And, uh, I mean, part of it helped that SGA was also in foul trouble towards the end. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it, it will be interesting to see if, like, that's a, if that's a strategy going forward. Um, but yeah, I, I, looking at the game as a whole, it was also like, they just had a bad night, uh, leading in, in up to that third, um, you know, and that happens on, on the road in, in January, you know, when SGA is putting up that many points on you, uh, and then you're trying to do the right things. You're trying to attack him yeah. when he's got four fouls and, you know, force him to take some time on the bench, or you're trying to say, okay, we're going to leave Josh Giddy open. We don't really care about him. And then he's actually making threes. Yeah. Sometimes you make the right calls, and that's why I'm not hammering the coaching staff on this. You make the right calls, and it just still doesn't go your way. Yeah. Also, uh, not to harp too much on, on the Thunder, but is there anybody who's faster than SGA in the league right now? Like, faster with the ball in his hands? It's a good call. I, I, Tyrese Maxey. That's he, the only one that comes to mind. Yeah, I was just like, because it wasn't like he was just making incredible moves i mean he has some some good moves it was like he was just blowing by guys like drew holiday you know uh, one of the league's best defenders and he was just like just making a, a step you couldn't uh you couldn't stop it i was um yeah it, it was it was pretty incredible to watch do you have any concern that drew has lost a step from where he was a couple of seasons ago i don't know if i have a concern i mean that's probably just normal there because he's uh, he's in his thirties. Right. Um, so overall, no. Uh, it, it was a. I think it was just a tough night against again one of the league's probably fastest guys. I, I don't know anybody who's going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna lock him down all the time. So again, you said the forty point third quarter uh, that OKC had, yeah. pretty unacceptable mm-hmm. <laughs> under any circumstances. But I thought it was interesting because I wrote about this today on WEI.com, but I started combing through the Celtics losses, and there aren't so many of them, so this wasn't incredibly yeah. time-consuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically looking at the third quarters and seeing how they performed in those third quarters, and there's this very strong uh, commonality among all of their losses except for mm-hmm. one, and that's the Warriors game. Except for the Warriors game, which they lost— Every all of the six other losses that they've had, they have lost the third quarter. And sometimes in not so bad fashion, when they played the Sixers and lost to the Sixers, they only lost the third quarter 20 to 17. So they only got outscored by three points. But again, you see what happened with OKC. And more often it's, uh, you know, against the Pacers, it was 37-23 that they lost that game in the third quarter. Uh, 29 to 18 when they lost the third quarter against the Magic and then lost that game. Yeah. Uh, Justin, you I believe was this at practice that you asked Joe Missoula yes, if he practice. had any concern about the third quarters, and here's the response he gave you. Drop off in the third quarter. Can you put your finger on any reason as to why? I don't. Uh, you know, one thing we just try to stress is can we have a, a focused, detailed mindset throughout the entire game? And I know it's something that's hard. I feel like it's something everybody in the league struggles with at different points, whether it's first quarter, second quarter. But, um, you know, I think we just have to find ways to just stay disciplined and focused for the entire game. Um, start quarters well, end quarters well, and then just understand what allows another team to go on a run. Sometimes it's because. 
it's the flow of the game, and they've missed a bunch of shots, and they're going to make some. Sometimes it's because of our, our turnovers, our offensive rebounds, and so there's different formulas for that, and we just got to work to try to control those variables as much as we can. So did you feel, Justin, since you're at the practices and shoot-arounds, when you asked that, was there like a nonchalance from Joe Missoula, or how do you think he approached that question when he lobbied it at him? I think it was just kind of, it was kind of a nonchalance, like you said, like, they know it's a problem, but they don't really know what's going on and what's contributing to it. But it's been a years-long problem. Like This has been an issue dating back really yeah. since the start of the Tatum and Brown era. This has always been a problem coming out of halftime, those slow starts. It doomed them in that finals run in 2022. It's It's been a problem, and I just think like Missoula's trying to put a finger on it, but he just can't because they don't understand what it is, and it's, it's been happening now through three coaches. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess, have we noticed this problem uh in wins as well, I, I I don't I don't know the answer to this. Are they having this issue when they're winning as well, where so their cores are slow? I was looking at some of the exact teams that they have had this issue against. So I looked at the Magic, who they beat. I happened to just look at the Cavs. Some of these other teams that they've handled pretty well, and yeah. they don't. The yeah. third quarters are still close. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Is the Celtics their third quarter differential when you're looking at all the teams and how they perform in third quarters? Their third quarter differential is only plus 1.6, which without getting too statty with you, just to let you know, that's ninth in the entire league. So they're they're the best team in the league in my book. But when you look at the teams that have stronger point differentials in that quarter, they include teams like the Bucks, like Minnesota, uh, the Timberwolves, and teams that I would consider, the Clippers is another yeah, yeah, yeah. one, teams that I would consider really strong. And so for whatever reason, it just, I don't think you should ignore it. Even because yeah. even when you're winning, a lot of times it's not like you're coming out and blowing doors in the third quarter. I'm not going to complain because they have the best fourth quarter points that they put up, right. which is what really that, matters. matters yeah. But you don't want to be coming out of the gate out of halftime and letting another team make adjustments on you and waiting until the fourth quarter to correct whatever they're doing. Yeah. Are, are y'all, I guess, more concerned that uh, this is what happened against OKC was uh sort of a continuation of a trend or this was just like oh new year on the road you know trying to trying to get back into the swing of things what 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 do y'all think it was for that y'all saw it's funny because i wrote about it on wei.com last week prior dating back to the okc or dating back to the golden state game prior to uh tuesday night in okc yeah they were actually first in offensive rating first in points per game across a seven game stretch in the third quarter mm-hmm. where it was really looking like they were starting to figure it out they were thir- allowing the third fewest points in the third quarter and really it's been an offensive problem if you look at their third quarter metrics like defensively they've been fine it's mm-hmm. the offense that goes slow and for that seven game stretch they were averaging 36.6 that was lead best they were a 147.1 offensive rating which is extremely efficient so they were really figuring it out across that seven game stretch and then tuesday night happened in oklahoma Oklahoma city and it just kind of dropped off again and again oklahoma city is a very strong team yeah so i know that maybe they haven't been on the radar with some people like the lakers always are or like the bucks or any number of teams that you want to uh single out but they should be Right. Is the point, and we'll talk more about that later. But yeah. I, I just, I wouldn't look at this as the same with the same critical eye that you might if they had lost even to the Magic or the Cavs or right. the Bulls or someone like and again, that. Again, like one of the best teams in the league on the road, you know, first game in the new year. So, uh, and I guess you know, Wake Rosebeck, 
was on EEI earlier this week, I believe, and he, and he talked about sort of the the lulls that, that teams have. I think we have some, some audio of that as well. January, February are times when it's easy to have a lull. There's also the distraction of trading deadline around the league coming up in February, and then there's All-Star. Um, you know, you, this, this period right now is a period where you can easily lose your focus. So I thought that that was really interesting that he brought up the trade deadline. Yeah. Because I understand in past iterations of these double J's Celtics that the trade deadline could be a big distraction right. or just something that teams are looking towards and then also concerned about who's going to All-Star week, All-Star Weekend and looking forward to All-Star break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that he brought up the trade deadline to me, it almost seems like I don't – with the current squad that you have, that feels – like, it's not as relevant to you, or it shouldn't be as relevant yeah. to you as years past. Do y'all think that, like, the players, though, even if, like, again, because we, we said last week we don't think this squad is is really moving anywhere. They're not going to trade, like, Sam Hauser. They it, shouldn't. Yeah. But uh, do you think, like, the other players are looking around the league and saying, like, oh, those guys got, got that guy? I'll tell you, uh, like, yesterday I heard the idea of, like, Donovan Mitchell going to Miami. Just, Damn. It was just put out there. And uh, I... Straight up had a dream about it last night. I was like, and You were dreaming like, about Donovan Mitchell? <laughs> going to Miami in, in a trade. And I was like, Oh my God, guys, emergency pod. I remember like texting you in the dream. Because, <laughs> uh, like, what does this mean for the Celtics? Um, but what do does think, this mean for the melatonin you're taking? <laughs> but the, the, does that. The, do you think like that's just a distraction across across the league that that happens, even if it's not affecting your uh, their uh, own team? Yeah, I think naturally it's a distraction. I think every team's kind of looking around the league and especially a team like the Celtics, where you know you're one of the best teams in the league, you're looking at how other teams are improving, yeah. and you're like, all right, now what can we do to improve? But I think they are confident in the team they have now, but just like the nature of the trade deadline. Like, you know, you you spend all this time with these guys. You're with them every day. You're going cross-country flights, whatever it may be. You're always with these guys. And then, you know, you leave someone in that locker room. It kind of leaves a void because yeah. you're so close. So I think naturally just the nature of the trade deadline brings those kind of emotions. Yeah, it's interesting that you look, you know, thinking about it that way, where you're looking at what other uh, teams in the Eastern Conference, especially the Heat, who have been sometimes a speed bump for you and sometimes a straight up roadblock like they were in the Eastern Conference finals last year. Donovan Mitchell going to the Heat obviously would be blockbuster move. But to me, it's like you guys are just figuring it out with Porzingis and Drew Holiday. Mm -hmm. I've. I think that they assimilated to the Celtics team very quickly, but you're still f- trying to figure out, you know, your rotations and where's Peyton Pritchard coming yeah, in yeah. and when should he come off the floor and all this stuff. And I don't think that the answer is a big, shiny addition like that. And you should be confident enough in yourselves not to get distracted by, yeah. oh, my God, look at look at who got who, right. you know? If anything, it's like... Don't lose sight of what Milwaukee is quietly doing over there because yeah. you've only played them once this season. Yeah, and and to go back to to Grossbeck's quote just about there being a lull at this time of the year. I mean, it it doesn't just apply to the Celtics; it applies like I think across the league. We saw you know, okay, so they had that big win and then they lost to the Hawks. Uh, so it, it this isn't just a Celtics issue. I think every team is trying to get through sort of the the doldrums of this part of of the year. Um, that being said, you you brought this up, Megan, that. You know, they January they technically the Celtics have the easiest remaining schedule, but they have some big uh, opponents on on their way. What, what what do y'all see 
as just how, how they get out of this month where they play Indy twice, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Denver, Dallas, Miami, the Clippers, and New Orleans. And then Indy again to close, close out January. Why is everyone playing the Pacers so much? I swear <laughs> to God. Like, I'm not, every time I look at as somebody in the Eastern Conference, maybe it's just bias, but I feel like, yeah, how many times are you playing the Pacers this year? It's crazy. I you looked seen... at it last night. The Bucks have already played them four times. What is how happening? How is that possible? Like, They've I already played them four times. I know times. some of it is the in-season tournament, but yeah. nobody needs to see this much of the Pacers. Nobody. I, I, I think we need to see more of the Bucks and Pacers. That specifically, because I love how they have uh, grown to hate each other in a very... Because I don't, you know, I'm not an expert on the Central Division, but uh, I, I would imagine there were rivals in as much as they shared the division. You know, technically the Celtics and Raptors are rivals, but Pacers and Bucks, that's like pure hatred now. I love it. So, uh, but yeah, lot, lots of Pacers, you're right. So uh, I actually think that this is a good thing for the Celtics at this point in the schedule, that yeah. they have some real marquee mac- matchups, as you noted. Uh, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Denver, those are the big three, obviously. I don't yeah. understand why you have to play the Pacers so much. But those <laughs> big three, I think that the, that's... Something easy to stay focused on is yeah. to be able to get focused, get motivated for those matchups and keep those as kind of mini benchmarks that you have throughout. I could see there being, I, I wouldn't even call it trap games because it's not like these are bad teams, right. but lulls against Miami, against Dallas, uh, who knows with New Orleans. I expect them, though, to really show up for, especially with a team like Minnesota, who they lost to when they saw earlier this season, you know, put in some of that revenge mentality and and dig out for a little edge for this team. Is there one game that y'all are the most fascinated? And personally, I think I'm really interested in seeing that Minnesota game. It'll be at TD Garden as opposed to on the road where they lost and Anthony Edwards just went off earlier this year. Is there one in particular that, that y'all are looking forward to in this January stretch? I'm with you with the Minnesota one. That's the top team in the East versus the top team in the West. Right. And it's going to be interesting, too, because a lot of this stretch is home, then away, or away, then home. Like, they go... Come home on Friday night, play the Jazz. Then they're in uh, Indianapolis for two, where they're playing the Pacers. And then they come back again. So it's like they're jumping around all over the place. So it's like a mental toughness stretch. But like, I think in terms of ones you're looking at, it has to be that Timberwolves one. Because that's the two best teams in the league right now. And that's a team that beat you earlier this season in an overtime thriller. So I'm yeah. excited for that one. Yeah, Denver at home, to me, is going to be, the, I think, the biggest game of the month. Just because it is the reigning champs yeah. and Jokic and, you know, do the Celtics feel like they, that Denver squirreled their way into their championship window? Yeah. You know, the Celtics yeah, yeah. were really thinking that they were going back to the finals and winning it for the most of the regular season last year. So it'll be interesting to see how they stand up against that. And I'm always fascinated with Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. That team's healthy right now. If they come in and uh, the Celtics beat them 119 to 116 when they saw them in November. What's it look like now uh, that that team has had a little more cohesion? I'm very curious. Yeah, and I think with Denver, too, um, just seeing what I imagine would be a Porzingis-Jokic matchup you know, I don't think anybody can guard Jokic, but just how how well can you try to stop him and what would that translate like uh, in a potential postseason uh, meeting between those two. And not to get ahead of the calendar, when we talk about the lull 
that comes with this time of the year where it feels like the playoffs are so far away. I do just have more concern about who this team turns into after the All-Star break. Because yeah. at times that's been when it starts getting really funky. Like last year. Where they dropped <laughs> exactly. a bunch of games last year right after the All-Star break. And it, okay, do you solve that by no longer having Marcus Smart and Grant Williams on the team? Was was it just a personality clash at times? Yeah. Or is there something else about these guys not having... I don't know, the focus to get through February and March intact. Yeah, I, before we move on, I, I, I think I meant to mention this last episode, but this team is on pace to be above 60 wins, I think around 65. Do, do y'all see is that? Do y'all see them hitting that mark? 60 do, sounds right, yeah. yeah. I do expect they were on pace for that last year. and if, Like we were just talking about, had they not slipped out of the All-Star break, they probably would have hit it. They had 57 last year, so yeah, yeah, yeah. they're definitely on pace. They're a better team this year, so... I think 60 wins is a completely realistic expectation for this team. Yeah, yeah I like it. Um, all right, are we doing take flight? Yeah, now? let's do take flight.